I'm super good at uh, derailing things and good. getting off you course. Right good. Well, yeah, I'll yeah. say welcome to, welcome to the party then. <laughs> yeah, that could be this this the subtitle of this show, derailing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the I mean, great derailing. Yeah. Down the rabbit hole. Again. There's yeah, there's a reason why the show is called Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I am your host, Jeremy, gathered with friends in our scenic uh, basement studio apartments here in in not quite heatwave Portland yet, but we're getting there. Uh, I'd like to uh, like to go around the table. We have some old friends and some new friends here today, and let them God kind of I guess introduce themselves if they would. So, uh, who is first? Uh, I'm Natasha. I am a nerd, a geek, a cat mom, and a return guest. Thanks. I'm Tara. This is the first time I've been here. I'm super happy to meet some new people, and I talk a lot about sports. So beware. My name's Garrett. Um, on-air personality and song and dance man. <laughs> Excellent, and I think the our start <laughs> issue number one is <laughs> yeah. um, God. Is it, that guy's been dead for like what ten years? John McLaughlin. When did John McLaughlin? When did is John McLaughlin still alive? I don't know. Do you remember the Do you remember the McLaughlin group or where, the Saturday Night Live parody of it? Issue number five. What number am I thinking of? Pat Buchanan. He's uh, eighty-two. Wrong, Eleanor Cliff. Uh, is it between one don't and a hundred? Don't the issue. Uh, Forty. Wrong, Malcolm Kine. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was the guy where he had a bag of, um, oh, somebody, oh, I do remember the Saturday Night Live from like the 90s. Issue talking about it. Yes, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, Phil Hartman, uh, Phil oh. Hartman hosting the, Dana Carvey. Can we just talk about Phil Hartman for an hour? Because oh, he was I love my that favorite. Dude. He was so funny. Oh, I loved what him so much. We'll mark that down as a topic to get to. Put that Phil in the Phil yeah. Hartman. <laughs> College girls. That's so, what? Patty Patty Buke Buke. Is that, is that, did it have the Pat Buchanan? Sometimes was he on the John McLaughlin was, group? Sometimes I feel yeah. like he was like the uh, like there was some sort of law that Pat Buchanan always had to be on. Yeah, it. yeah. Oh and on God. the Saturday Night Live one, they were they called him Patty Patty Buke Buke. Yeah, it was yeah. a good good. That's nickname. hilarious uh, and fitting. Um, we, <laughs> we're welcoming Tara on because of <laughs> I think uh, a running theme of our last uh, of our last several months of shows have been kind of. Um, I don't know, dare I say critiquing the idiotic aspects of online fandom. And well, whereas, whereas we mainly come from a background of being fans of nerd shit, you are, Tara, you are a fan of, I'm not saying that word, you're a fan of the, uh, you're a fan of the sports. I am a fan of sports. Excellent. Jock shit. <laughs> Opposite of nerds. Yeah, and I actually there's there's a few nerd things that I like too, but I'm kind of afraid to bring them up because you guys will probably put me to shame in no. my knowledge. No, bring no, of bring no shame. That's, the, the, the entire deep, deep, deep knowledge. Nerd safe space. <laughs> yeah, the entire yeah the entire point of the show when I originally started was just having people on to talk about their cultural obsessions. Yeah. And, but also trying to expand beyond like the most cultural obsessions that were allowable were just st- only the very very narrow bandwidth of you know heavily heavily marketed merchant uh you know uh you know multi, uh, media multi uh you know media multinational media megacorps with the stuff that they would sell to people so you only like three or four little th- little mm-hmm. things you could be that uh people would talk about 
Well, I would definitely say that I fit the bill for being obsessed with a particular sport, and the sport that I'm obsessed with happens to be basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't rep, you know, I I can't represent all fans of all sports. You don't have but to, I but... can tell you what I have experienced um, in my uh, increasing, like lately over the last few years, for sure, like increasing involvement in the sports world, mm-hmm. like online sports world, going to sporting events in person, um, and it has become a bit of an obsession with me. I would have to. Say. Excellent. But I think it's a I actually I kind of think it's a pretty healthy one. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. Because I've Very learned so. a lot. I've met people that I never would have known. And mm-hmm. so although there are some unsavory aspects probably of just about every fandom. Everyone. Yeah. I, I tend to focus on the things that I get out of it because I've really gained good. a ton. Yeah from um, expanding into sports like I did. I mean, I've always like been somebody who enjoyed sports and I played sports, but I never got deep, deep into it until a couple of years ago after all my kids grew up, moved out of the house, mm-hmm. and suddenly I was like, oh, what am I going to do with myself? So that's yeah. what changed your ch- your kids grew up? Yeah, my kids grew up, and it's it's funny when you have kids, like you think it's never going to end, and then all of a sudden one day you look up and they're all gone. Yeah. And that's exactly what yeah, happened what to me. My mom's going through that right now, and I can completely empathize with that. She calls me on the phone crying, you know. And they the were cats so independent. In the cradle. The cats <laughs> in the cradle and the silver spoon. Yeah. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. For some reason, Ugly Kid Joe's covered this song in the 1990s. That was weird, I by thought, the way. Uh, Garrett, I thought you were the song and dance man. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when. We'll get together then. I am, but I... Eat the mic. Okay. I play. Um, I, I, you know, I have plenty of opportunities to, okay. to showcase those talents, and so I didn't <laughs> want to. Uh, I want Jeremy to have this venue to to show off his song. If and he dance. wants to sing and dance too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I will not be singing and dancing, and we will all be very grateful for I'm that. I'm more of a song man, if I'm being honest. But uh, anyway, I can do neither, so <laughs> we can ba- appreciate it. I mm-hmm. barely played my bass in like the last year and a half or two years. Well, actually, more than that, mm-hmm. but. Should I, should I go back to talking about the guitar I'm in love with? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I want to know a little bit more about your, um, what kind of niche did you fall into in regards to basketball fandom? Okay, so um, being from Portland, I became a fan of the Portland Trailblazers mm-hmm. first, and um, I grew up here, lived here my whole life, and so I was around when they won the championship in 1977, but I was eight years old, so I don't really remember mm-hmm. much about it. Um, and then back again in the 90s is kind of when I became a, uh, a big fan again. I lived in Eugene for 13 years and did what most people do in Eugene for 13 years which is sit on the couch a lot and not change the channel (laughs) and one day the basketball came on and I was like oh this is kind of cool and so I enjoyed them and they happened to be a good team at the time Mm -hmm. so I kind of followed them then I started having kids and I had a life and then like I said they they moved out and um uh, the thing that drew me to basketball was learning about the people who played it. Yeah. So for me, initially, the game wasn't the big part of it. It was learning about the people who'd gotten to the point where they were at this incredible level. Like, if you think about it, right now, there's only 450 people in the entire world who are playing basketball at the level of the NBA. Yeah. So of all the people in the world, there's 450 right now who got to this point. Yeah, that's amazing. So I got really interested in the players. Like, how how do you even get there? How do you even, what's the path to get there? So I I started to learn about them and I kind of found out that I kind of realized that as my kids grew up and I had to let them go, Mm -hmm. I sort of became kind of obsessed with learning more about these other people just because (laughs) it's like, I I mean, it wasn't like I, you know, was crazy stalker mom or anything, but I was like, 
well, I'm interested in, in this kid's background, this guy's background. Yeah. Where'd he come from? How did he how did he get where he was? And I wasn't driving the soccer carpool anymore, so I had time to read articles and nice. watch more games, and that's kind of how it happened. And, and it is easy to forget. Something you said made me think. It's easy to forget that like most of those people playing professional basketball are children. Like, yeah. like, like They're relatively like, young. And... Because they're so fit, you know, and, yeah. and all that stuff, you know, they're and seven feet tall. Yeah, their physiques are <laughs> are, are very uh, impressive, and but they're like they're like very young, you know, a lot of them anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, they are. I mean, the we're we're getting to the point of the year right now. Um, we're in the NBA final, or we're just about to the NBA finals right now, and then after the finals are over, there will be the draft. And yeah. the draft this year is almost is expected to be almost exclusively freshmen, like oh, people wow. who played one year. So they're going to be 19 years old. Wow. So, yeah, very young. Yeah, because they changed that rule, right, somewhat in the past few years. Mm -hmm. that, that They used to be able to recruit you out of high school. Right. And, and now, now you have to have one year gone, one year um, – you have to. You can only uh, declare for the draft in the year after you went to high school. Or, so you have to have one year has to go by. So you can either go to mm -hmm. college for a year or you can go overseas and play overseas for gotcha. a year. Okay, oh, I that see. at least that that I, I noticed that that does take that takes out the um, that takes out the the uh, the financial well the presumably financial um, cutoff point because if if you have. What do you have? What happens when you have kids who can't afford necessarily afford? I mean, yeah, the the, the odds are they would be getting scholarships, but what happens when you have kids who can't necessarily afford a year of undergrad? Well, and it starts way before. If you're a basketball player, it starts way, way, way before. I mean, it's it, sometimes you hear stories about people who maybe grew up overseas who hadn't didn't start playing until they were maybe in high school or whatever. But in America, if you grew up here, you generally started playing when you were teeny tiny and mm -hmm. you uh, played with the team. You know when you were in fourth grade fifth grade sixth grade and you you have it that costs a lot of money yeah do they usually have a really like obsessive parent with regard to that, that um, aspect of their lives i would say it is th there's no usual story that's the fascinating thing is that like nobody has a typical story yeah and and that's that's another that's one of the things that i i think is maybe kind of unique about sports and about uh this fandom is because and maybe you guys can tell me different but the thing about uh, being a fan of sports and you're a fan of the people who are playing it. Exactly. And they're real people. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like for better or for worse. Yeah. That's they, so interesting. Yeah, yeah. They're not like a character. Yeah. Well, so like when you're talking about them, <laughs> unless they're Bobby Knight <laughs> <laughs> or um, what's his name? Um, the former head coach of Atlanta. Oh, uh, 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 Glanville, the, the football coach or the basketball coach, the basketball well, coach. Then I don't know. Um, the, uh, the, um, um, the, the very short, the, the, the short balding guy from the, uh, it was uh, coached, I think it was Atlanta in the late nineties, early aughts. I don't know. I, I can remember. look that All up. I can think of is Tarkanian, the, the UNLV guy. Do <laughs> you know who I'm talking towel? about? Yeah. yeah. The towel that guy's writer. a character. Yeah. Actually, I'm from a town. I'm from uh, El Paso, Texas. Okay. You know about the Utah yeah. miners? Yeah. Well, we had this guy named Don Haskins and he was the football coach. He was probably like 300 pounds. Uh-huh. And wore a cowboy hat. And, oh, like, yeah. and he was the coach, and he was the coach for like thirty years. The king of the hill character. Yeah, That's he awesome. is a king of the hill. Character. Absolutely. Uh, so propane and propane said accessories. That I, that I wanted to, I wanted to, to chime in on it. Ah, it's gone. What online fandom or or which bit? Oh, it was about. I was. I used to work for a company that was owned. Uh, that was owned by British people, so there was a lot of British people in the office. It's there were a lot of fish and chips. Yeah, there were a lot of fish and chips. A lot of corb limeys, uh, no, <laughs> a lot, lot of British flags. A few Hello, times a year, there'd be a bunch of British people in the offices, and we'd talk about uh, football, soccer. The footy. The footy, yeah. 
And I would be like, I don't understand why people get so crazy about it. I understand why people like sports in general. And they and they said the same thing that you're talking about. It's like once you start to get to the personalities of these people, then all of a sudden it's this melodrama that you're involved in. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's what that happens. That happens to be what pulled me in. But there's a plenty of other people who are like totally into the game, mm-hmm. like every like so in the po- so I have a podcast for what that I do for Blazers Edge. And um, it's like a fan site. It's like an online fan site. And they write articles and um, and talk about the Blazers. And um, I have a partner who's a woman. Mm-hmm. And she and I do the podcast a couple times a week, which is like blow, blew everybody's mind away that like there's two yeah. girls who are talking about the Blazers. Like, whoa. God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is some of the people that I know who are the most passionate fans, most of them are women. Mm-hmm. Um because we get like super into the yes. deep dive of who they are, but my podcast partner Joe, she's super into the game. Yeah, and like she, when we first started, she was like, she could care. I mean, she had players who were her favorite because she really liked how they played the game. Yeah, but then when we would do the podcast, I'd go learn more about their background and teach them all about their background, and then she would teach me more about the actual game that was happening on the court. That's a great balance. And my point is, there's so much to learn that it's like there's there's something for everybody. Yeah. Like, I, my my personal challenge is to get all three of you interested in finding out something else about basketball before you leave. I would love to because <laughs> there's there's something for everybody. Don't even get I mean actually do get me started on the data at some point because yeah. <laughs> I like the data part of it. It's amazing. So so does data? Well, does basketball data get as get as geeky as baseball data? Because oh. they're sort of the champs in my mind of like the the, the data geeks. Oh, um, for sure. And I think I think uh, baseball opened the door. I mean, they were kind of like they were the first people to have a box score Yeah, was like box scores came from data. So like you would open the newspaper and there would be the box score. And that was because of baseball. Right. Um, but then after that, um, you know, uh, Can I, yes. What is a box score? Oh, so it, well, it's like when you open the paper and you see the what happened in the game and it's yeah. like each player and then what they did in the game. So like with baseball, it'd be like runs, hits, errors. The mm-hmm. Tigers were at Dallas uh, last night. And got so through. rather than just like team one, team two, this one had this many points, this one had this many points. It was actually a breakdown. Is that what you Yeah. Mean? So the box score was like when they actually put it in a table. And they set it in I the see. newspaper so you could like open up the newspaper and quickly check not just what the score of the game was, but how specific people did within right. it. They log, they would log the, it almost would be like you get, lo- they would log almost like play by play. And you could, with practice, you could effectively rebuild the game. Yeah, from, if you had a good imagination. Well, because of because of the, how they quantified, you know, just cause they quantified it as much as possible. So, yeah, I mean, it started. Like I said, with baseball and runs, hits, and errors. And then when, like with basketball, it started with um, points and, you know, points. And then it was like how many shots you took to get the points. And then it was like how many fouls did you have. And then they just added to it and added to it. And now um, the box score has about, I don't know, seven or eight different things in there. And those are things that are just specifically during the course of the game. There's a statistician marking things down. Then... The like computers happened, and now it's incredible the amount of data because basically there's this thing called Sports View, and every single NBA arena there's six cameras on the ceiling that are pointed at the court, and they take twenty five each camera takes twenty five shots per second, and they track wow. every single thing that happens wow. on the floor. Yeah, are there any um are they are have they gotten to the point of like putting chips in either ball or player yet to track to track them in three-dimensional space oh so okay so not yet but that's because that's something that they're having discussions about because they're trying to figure out get this who owns that data 
Oh, there we wow. go. The people. Right. Yeah. But they can't, with these cameras, they know that because they they are tracking that in three dimensions. Mm -hmm. So they can see like how far away. So they track each player and each referee and each ball, where the ball is right. at any moment. And so they can recreate it like with X's and O's and dots. So right. they can like recreate an entire game through wow. through that. And then you can also pull all these statistics, like how far did somebody run? How fast did they run? Where were they with their hands when they were getting the ball? And they can like get super, super specific. And then they make this data available. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, that's is it open super source? Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So it's like they've engaged fans in a way that like, that's what I mean. Like there's somebody for everybody. Like yeah. I work... I work in IT and the people on my team are like in no way, shape or form interested in basketball. Yeah. But I introduced them to fantasy basketball. Oh, nice. Oh, dear. By <laughs> just by showing them the app because they were like, oh, my God, that is so cool because it just sucks in all of the. Mm. And they were just fascinated with like, how did they build this app? And uh -huh. so that was how I hooked them into playing. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Data viz. Um, I think my my background, I would growing up in Michigan, I was never. I was never like a, the biggest uh, like pro fan, although we would. I think at one point the more the the most the most games I ever went to for the Pistons, because we were we were about an hour hour and change away from uh, the Palace of Auburn Hills. My when I was a sophomore, my father, who was English teacher and also the golf coach mm -hmm. at uh, at Flint Central, would take the teams down to do. They would do fundraising, which was effectively. <laughs> exploited teenage labor <laughs> hawking ice cream and beer and cokes and whatnot in the stands to you know to like all the punters who'd show up yeah i did that at my high school they and for yearbook they'd make us go sell shit at yeah football games and uh all the you know if you you uh, the older kids liked it because if you were 18 you could sell beer <laughs> which meant that you you, you yeah you made crazy amounts of tips yeah. i just did ice creams and i would get you know, I would get some tips off of that, but it was like that was, but it was all just kind of like working the games, and like it's and there were like half the half the golfer kids would just say after a while they're like, yeah, we're not selling anything. They just sit and watch the game, but I never really got into it until well, I was never really like a uh, never really a pro sports fan. It wasn't until I think going going to school in Ann Arbor and uh, and getting it. No, it was because I'm from Michigan. Mm -hmm. My sport was hockey. Okay. The local uh, local minor league hockey senior, uh, which has always always struck me as being more fun, uh, especially for minor minor league hockey at God at the Flint IMA, where they didn't ban smoking in the <laughs> outer ring until probably the mid nineties, <laughs> and this was a place where like, this where goalie fights were not an unseen thing. Uh, I would and, go to that uh, for sure. Hockey's fun. My yeah. family's into hockey and. Can they're all about the players too. I've noticed. So before I just I just made a connection. Sorry, in my head. Before we started recording, we were talking about how much I I personally hate going to concerts because mm -hmm. everyone's a fucking full of shit and a phony <laughs> and like no one's their authentic self at a concert. And I don't. I'm not a big sports person, but every time I go to a sports thing, I have a blast. Really? Isn't that interesting? Why do you I think that it? is? Because it's because everyone it's everyone's will is focused in the same way. You know, like when you go to a Blazers game. Almost no one there wants the Blazers to lose. Unless so, you're playing against the team from the Bay Area and all their stupid oh, fans come they all, up. They all, they all filter oh. up. Those, those sons of guns. No, no, don't oh, be yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, the, the Sonics aren't around anymore, are they? No. D don't be no. sorry. I, I just, I just, that, that was just an interesting insight that I just had where it was like, I fucking hate going to concerts and I love music and I'm kind of 
meh on sports, and I always have fun at sports events. Mm-hmm. That is all. The, <laughs> That's good as well. Uh, yeah, I, like, I don't. Um, my thing is the only. Um, I think moving out here, our live sports options are kind of eh, not the best as compared to say you know be, living you know because I lived half an hour outside of Detroit for ten years before I moved out here. But you know, I remember, didn't really have much interest in what in because I never watched like pro sports on TV. But you know, the one time we actually did go to a, like a live Blazers game, it was awesome. It was great. Like wow, this it was. The live experience for people who weren't in, into the sport uh, originally was such to really draw you in, whereas watching it on TV is doesn't you know is it's not alienating, but it's not a, it's not enough of an on ramp. It's not st- it doesn't stick in your head. Uh, it's not it's not as compelling as it could be. And even but I was gonna say for me, like I got more even. Hell, even when I was a student there, I never really got into Michigan basketball mm-hmm. just because, of, well, A, I, I guess I always prefer, you know, I had se- uh, undergrad for six years, six years of season hockey tickets, um, which was awesome. That's how I survived being an engineering uh, student for six years was just going to games. Uh, and then some, some, uh, you know, some football games, but I don't think I ever actually, I don't think I ever actually did go to a Michigan basketball game. And then uh, moved out here and realized that being three time zones away from where the games are being played, it's like, I'm not waking up that early to watch the, the those stupid games. So well, we were talking earlier about online fandoms and um, uh, we we were also but we were also talking about like Twitter and Tumblr and Reddit right. and stuff. And one of the things that I've enjoyed over the last couple of years is getting to know fans from around the world. Mm. Yeah. There's this like there's this guy in Australia who's like a massive Trailblazer fan, and there's like people That's in the great. Philippines who are and I like know them online, and so it's funny like one of them actually during the free agency period, which is in July, which is like when things are happening around the clock. It's when players are whose contracts are up are choosing the next team that they're going to play uh-huh. for. So it's like around the clock stuff is happening. And the guy from Australia for on behalf of our website would like watch the news overnight. Oh, like nice. <laughs> while we were all sleeping, because we had to go that's, to bed. God, that's Got a finger on the pulse there. Wow. Right? That's God. That's like, um, uh, it, I don't know if you guys ever heard, heard about all the stuff with uh, the game called Eve online. Oh yeah. Where, because it is a, it is this kind of like, um, massively multiplayer online game and you would ha- where you have like just groups of people but groups of people coordinating actions around the globe when they knew that th- that rival factions would be asleep mm, yes so you'd have like american stuff striking at say you know russian groups who were striking at like groups in south in southeast asia because everybody was off by eight hours or so and so you knew and like it's some people some people would have to strategically um, align with like people in different parts of the globe just to run defense yeah. while they're all asleep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So, how about you, Natasha? Do you, do you have any memories of sports? Like, did you play sports when you were growing up? I did a little bit. I played soccer. I grew up with the Mariners and the Sonics. Mm-hmm. So back in the kind of like the best days of the Mariners, right? Like we had Ichido and we had you know Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. yeah. We ended, yeah, it was it was a good time to be a baseball fan. And what what aspects of it were you into? I was into the players. My uh-huh. mom was. My mom was a really big. What is the guy from Puerto Rico that was on that team? Edgar Martinez. Okay. Uh, yeah, he. She was. My mom actually is one of those people that she'll get obsessed with one one guy, mm-hmm. whether it be um, Mario Andretti or uh, Edgar Martinez, and she'll just you know we we're all fans in the family now. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And on that note, we'll take a quick break and be right back. Woo-hoo. 
Rachel got it from like either her, from uh, from her mom or like just relatives up in uh, relatives up in Washington. And speaking of relatives up in Washington, we are back here on giving the mic to the wrong person. I am joined as always uh, with my guests Tara, Natasha, and Garrett, and we're talking about Phil Hartman in this segment. What do, uh, when I when I when I bring up Phil Hartman as long uh, um, as we previously alluded to in his McLaughlin group or. Um, wait, maybe that maybe he, maybe that was Dana. Carvey. I'm pretty sure it's Dana Carvey because uh, that's why because I'm confusing him because they would have they would do their takeoff called the Sinatra Group, mm. where his version of Sinatra would would effectively right. they, they 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 copy pasted him you know kind of created the excuse for him to do Sinatra into this uh, into that same chat group. Yeah, so you're at least half right. Yes, so pretty good, Jeremy. So uh, the uh, issue number two, Phil Hartman. Yeah. You don't scare me. It's the guys like you in my stool. <laughs> Bad impression. Um, I love Phil Hartman, y'all. Uh, and if you're a younger person and you never saw the TV show uh, News Radio, boy, was he funny oh in that show. Oh, my God. Bill, the real deal <laughs> with Bill McNeil. Yeah. I was yeah. just thinking about that yesterday. Such a funny show. Then there's this one I keep thinking of recently where... where uh, Dave Foley's character and, and Maura Tierney's character break up. They've dated for a little while, and, and he, she keeps like they have a little fight, you know, a little tense moment, and then Phil Hartman keeps going college girls like to to, <laughs> to Dave Foley's character, and it just makes me laugh. Every time. My favorite um, Phil Hartman on news radio was the time that they got the piano. And he put it in the elevator, and he played piano in the elevator all day. And the elevator would go up and down. And every time somebody got on the elevator, he'd be doing a new song. He'd be like, "Welcome, how are you feeling today? Are we feeling good today?" And then he played the piano. Yeah, I love that. And also, but I, I, I never watched news radio much because it was, it debuted freshman year, and I was uh, in the for the show's entire run, I was an undergrad, which meant the only TV I really watched was. Comedy Central, mm-hmm. and comedy, the, the, I watched ER for a year, but it was pretty much it was Comedy Central and David Letterman and Conan O'Brien. Yeah, this, those those are the three things that I watched on a regular basis. Everything like everything like any like network like primetime network stuff I'd never watched because I was never home. Right, and this is pre-internet. Yes, yeah. if yeah. you missed it, you missed it. Oh yeah, and I'm yeah. the baby of the group, so I mean, I remember Phil Hartman as the cat in Kiki's delivery service. Yeah. So, how are you? Hungry? No, I'm tired. Yeah, me too. I'm very tired. We're both going to sleep well tonight. Gigi. Oh, Gigi. Is that a um, what's-his-face movie? Yeah, it's a Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Okay. So you never watched a news radio? No, I didn't. Or, uh, or, I watched Simpsons, though. I have the I first never... season, yes. season if you want to borrow it. Or... I'm Troy McClure. I'll watch yeah. it, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Oh, he... he... Just some of my favorite characters in every genre were at one point were done. Yeah. <laughs> by, right. Lionel Hutz, the lawyer he plays in <laughs> yeah. The Simpsons. Your pizza's free. Do you yeah. remember that one? I think he... if I don't win your case, your pizza's free. <laughs> yeah, I think at one point he was at least what three? Was it three characters? Was it two characters or three characters? Because he was he was Troy McClure, he was Lionel oh, he Hutz. He was a ton of characters. Uh, but I'm trying to remember yeah. what he was on The Simpsons. Of he was Lyle Landley, but that was only in the, that was a single episode. Um, was that the monorail? That episode? was monorail. Yeah. Where where they? Monorail. Yeah. Monorail. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, if you remind me, I'll sh- I can show you the Ain't no um, monorail. There never was. Yeah, and North Haberbrook. Um, 
And by golly, it put them on the map. When they did the, when they had the, th- about three years ago, they had the, the live show, like the Simpsons, uh, the Simpsons take the Hollywood Bowl. And they actually brought, uh, where like, you know, they would do like full upon productions. And they brought back Conan O'Brien, who, like, in full on, like 19, you know, in like early nine early 20th century music man attire to do the, you know, to do the entire life. Li- Cause I think he wrote, well, he wrote the episode. It was. Why I sold monorails to Brockway, Ogdenville and North Haverbrook and by gum it put them on the map. Well, sir, there's nothing on earth like a genuine bonafide electrified six car monorail. What I say? Monorail. What's it called? Monorail. That's right. Monorail. Oh, wow. One of those episodes where, that's what I liked about old Simpsons is that, um, because of the, the because of like how uh, how fanish eh, how like how you know the kind of the the pop culture obsessed like writers group um, would go would go would just deep dive into stuff and like come up with a way you know at some point come up with a way like here screw it we're gonna have an you know this entire segment of the show is just gonna be sideshow Bob singing cuts from the mm. HMS Pinafore. I was wondering if you could sing the entire score of the HMS Pinafore. Very well, Bart. I shall send you to heaven before I send you to hell. And two, and three, and we sail the ocean blue, and our saucy ships of beauty. We are sober men and true, and attentive to our duty. <laughs> oh, that oh, so many good episodes. Yeah, I think I, I think I have like the first eight seasons memorized, and then after that, I kind of gave up. But... I think that's kind of the end of the really great run, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah. I mean, but when you're talking like great. That was great. Great. Yeah. Like, Without a doubt. Like all capital yeah. letters. Um, the the one I loved is the one where Troy McClure marries either Patty or Selma, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's the one where they do the Planet of the Apes musical. Yeah. <laughs> and I will do anything for Planet. I will drop whatever I'm doing to watch a Planet of the Apes. And then oh, like the you... the Simpsons just oh. Get your paws off me, you dirty ape! <gasps> he can talk. 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 I can sing. Ooh, help me, Doctor Sayus. 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 Oh, Doctor Sayus. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh my gosh, so good. They were putting out, in the mid-90s, they were putting out those CDs that were just collection, you know, the songs in the key of Springfield. Mm -hmm. Um, Springfield, Springfield, it's a hell of a town. The schoolyard's up and And the the shopping shopping mall's down. (laughs) Springfield, Springfield. I got off mic for that, you guys. (laughs) I love this. Okay, we're young, rich, and full of sugar. What do we do? Let's go crazy Broadway style! Springfield, Springfield, it's a hell of a town. The schoolyard's up and the shopping mall's down. The stray dogs go to the animal pound. Springfield, 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 Springfield. New York, New York. New York is that way, man. Thanks, kid. It's a hell of a town. Song and dance, man. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would have those, especially because like that. I started. Uh, I would buy all those discs because again, it was still Golden Era with Simpsons, and I was an you know. I remember, yeah, I'd go off to Tower Records, rest in peace, because mm-hmm. uh, it was the mid '90s in Ann Arbor, and uh, in in buy those things new for God, I think it was like sixteen or seventeen dollars. CDs used to be CDs uh, yeah. used to be really really dumbly priced. Yeah, they used to be. Uh, more than free, which is they basically are now. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, or at least, yeah. Um, 
but those, although I had like three or four of those things, which really came in handy when I started doing college radio in summer '98, because I had a meet. I now had in just quick little twenty to forty-five second bits to segue through. So I would be, you know, I would be playing like you know, like a bunch of like big black songs and then cut to the Simpsons and then transition into Lewis Jordan or something. Yeah, I always like that stuff for mixtapes. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, I think I had a, a Monty Python on the Holy Grail audio CD mm-hmm. that I used liberally for that. I had one. There's a band called Behead the Prophet, No Lord Shall Live. It's really like grimy. I don't even know what kind of music it actually is, but... I think it, at the beginning of one of their records, they have. I think it's from Holy Mountain. Mm-hmm. And you can. T- I bet one one of y'all will know whether it is or isn't. There's a woman who says something like, "Satan is ever ready to seduce us with sensual delights," and then she goes, ha, 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 ha. "Satan is ever ready to seduce us with sensual delights." And I would put that at like. Like in so many mixtapes <laughs> that I would make for people, so it's just super fun. Yes. And now, yeah, now we have podcasts that we can just drop in sound effects. Hell and yeah, you know, cut to insert random sound effect here. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do Beavis and Butthead. Oh, but it's we're, but remember we have so many '90s memories. <laughs> <laughs> or there, there uh, the aborted attempt to bring them back in 2011, which at one point was I think an even better show. But according to interviews with Mike Judge, at that point MTV had absolutely no idea what to do with the show mm-hmm. because it's like, well, we just you know our target market is teenage girls. What are we going to do with this? And except that, which is just insane because of the uh, the animation was better, the, the writing was better. He, he had a deeper bench of like comedy writers and stand-ups yeah. to help work on the show. Beavis and Butthead's comedy audience was teenage girls? No, no, no. MTV's oh, target yeah. market was... <laughs> I was like, wait, that does not track. Well, they could have just brought back Daria and everything would have been okay. Yeah. But, um... I forgot they tried to bring Beavis and Butthead back. The, yeah, it's it's. I want to get them because it was like it's. I think it was only like ten episodes. I can remember it because it was the same era. It was the first. It was the first no. Because it, it, it happened about the same time as the Jerry Sandusky thing at Penn State, mm-hmm. and it was like, it, and it was around like November 2011 because it was the first like the first winter that I traveled for that old job. I can remember being in Houston. Having stomach, winding up when stomach flu in Houston when like the first shows debuted, and um, it was like the same. This is the same weekend that the Sandusky things happened, and all the idiot stu- students rioted at Penn State. Oh yeah, oh, I remember that now. And that then yeah, and then I remember the, trying to fl- flying home that Saturday with a stomach flu that I didn't realize that I was ill until I barely made it to the bathroom stall at uh, at, at the Houston airport, destroyed it. And then it's like this is not going to be a fun day, mm. and then you got to f- two flights, two two legs through uh, up to Portland, where at one point the the stewardess just had me sit, you know, just sit in the back. It was like here, just sit in the back by, by the uh, by the bathrooms. At one point, I think uh, I kind of they, they, some of the people in first class kind of got mad at me because I was up, you know, I had the closest bathroom and I was kind of in there for too long. But <laughs> oh. but that was yeah, that was the same. That was about the time when they brought back Beavis and Butthead for a good ten episodes. That's and, a big fear of mine to be really sick on an airplane. Doesn't that freak you out? Yeah. But what he was saying made me think of something. Back to sports. Yeah. So every once in a while, a sports person behaves badly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it happens. And like Sandusky is a sure. great is a great example. That's what mm-hmm. made me think about it. And you see these 
in fights in sports? Have you ever mm-hmm. been part of that or had a had a strong stance maybe on one of those? What if you with like 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 apologists or something or? Well, I mean, those kids rioting at Penn State is an right. example of like, we're, I don't know what point they're trying to make, except yeah. that like they care about football and they don't care about like the fact that this guy was a terrible, you know, right. kind of a, I mean, I, I don't want to get too hyperbolic, but, you know, we yeah. often call him a monster, you right. know what I mean? Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, like like all things, it's it's really complex and people are really complex and the and people are at the heart of everything and when something dramatic happens like that like the sandusky thing uh people react and they don't think through everything they're just reacting to something that they have supported and loved and suddenly they just want to protect it yeah i think it's like sort of an a, a protection instinct i mean it it's it's happening like with um is it Baylor University that's going through right now is having one um, reported, um, you know, people are being, their their teams are being accused of all kinds of sexual assault. I mean, it happens yeah. all over the country, not right. just Baylor. I mean, it happens right. in it's the major right state. Now, I mean, it's, it, it happens. And so people definitely, you know, do do bad things. And I think, you know, when you're looking at sports, you're conditioned to love winning. Um, and winning is supposed to be important above all else. But people forget that, like, it's people who are actually doing the winning, and people are much more complex than a winner or a loss. Yes, right, exactly. I think part, uh, it gets into, um, especially about the bit about being under attack. The and it gets in, which is uh, gets into fan identity because at one point these these become personal or tribal identities. Exactly. Um, and with anything else, you can become a when um, because of. Because it, you are act, you know, effectively, plenty of things. You are actively, you know, you are actively choosing to become a fan, and so you you can so obsess or personalize something that any, uh, that you will, you know, you will broke brook broke brook brook uh, no um, accept no criticism of uh, of the thing because at some point you, you identify with it so much that you know. It becomes a personal attack, and you have to be defensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you doesn't can't... everyone have a thing that they're that protective of? You know what I mean? It's oh, almost... I am definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, no. Yeah, it's like you can't attack this band because you attack this band, you're attacking me because I, or you know, insert whatever object of fandom, and then um, you know, idiocy results from that. Yeah, I guess it depends on like the who are the loudest voices, right? And right. so I'm sure that you're. I mean, I don't know if you have that within your you know subculture, but of course, there's always going to be kind of the people that they speak the loudest and then they say the dumbest things. And so they're obviously the most visible. So yeah, fanatics, how do you right? deal with yeah. the people that, you know, have that problem? Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's I, I think that the one thing about sports is that people, even though they get really carried away, they remember that it's supposed they should remember that it's supposed to be for entertainment, that yeah. like it's not supposed to be life or death and unfortunately in a whole variety of ways it can come down to life or death i mean you know yeah. somebody getting a head injury and ending their life or you know so there's there's that so it's not like that never happens but um for the most part you know the the intention of sports is supposed to be for entertainment and the way that it keeps going is by making money and the way that they make money is by creating fans yeah um <laughs> regular systemic exploitation of interest 
as it were. Yeah, Pravda. Yeah, actually, I would love to hear some of your all, because I know that I, I've listened to some of your uh, discussions before where you go into some more like socialist discussions and things like that. I would love to know what y'all think about sports in that sort of realm. Like, That's a very good question. Can they exist together? Like, oh, yeah. Well, well yeah, that's the thing is, is that there are... Well, I mean, of course, it's kind of thing where, of course, they can, they can, they exist. They, they exist right now. I mean, it's like uh, the the major pro sports teams are effectively cartels because you have with uh, with a union, you still have, you know um, uh, plenty of unionized workforces that are still massively exploited by you know by you have, you know billionaire you have billionaire owners. Um, just making just money hand over fist, even with with millionaire, mi- with millionaire mm-hmm. players who are who can only but who only because it's at one point it's almost like it's it's a great example of I guess the the current setup of work writ large because you you only have so many years that you can be an active player mm-hmm. and the number of years varies on the sports and number of games, but the, it's usually like fewer than five. Right. Well, know, what is it? Well. Pro football is like what two on there? What's the, what's what are the I, average breakdown? Like basketball is because basketball is a little bit longer, yeah. assuming that you don't lo- you don't you know you don't lose you don't lose your joints, um, or kind of go Greg Oden, Greg Oden and lose you know. Oh, you're gonna go there and bring up Greg Oden. Poor Greg Oden. <laughs> Poor Greg Oden. Poor Greg Oden. Make my blood pressure rise. So I Greg Oden was a Portland Trailblazer uh, in two. Gosh, I can't remember what year was it, it was. was it 2009, like, like, yeah, late late aughts from Ohio For, State. First I think pick wasn't he yeah, of that draft? Yeah, the Portland Trailblazers had the number one pick in the draft at the time. They desperately needed a center, and there mm-hmm. were two great, great um, college players who were in the draft. One of them was Greg Oden, and one of them was Kevin Durant. Okay, and I know Kevin. Durant. I didn't Portland. know that Kevin Durant was the other guy. Yes. So Portland had the number one pick, and at the time, our need was for a center. And yeah. I will back that pick up until my last breath. That was who we needed to um, to draft. Yeah. And so we did, and he was amazing, and he quickly became injured and stayed injured for a very long time. And I think altogether, throughout the course of his five-year career, he played like 82 games, Aww. which is how long a season is. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was just sad. It's very disappointing. Sometimes... Sometimes I just, you know, you need to cry, right? You need to feel sad about something. You gotta, so I'll watch YouTube videos of Greg Oden playing. Oh my gosh. He was just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, he was just then, absolutely amazing player, but he just couldn't do it. There's a bit of a curse, right? Because Arvita Sabonis was mm-hmm. an amazing, like he was like world class. Mm-hmm. And then he injured. Did he injure himself so, before he came to Portland? Yeah. So okay. Arvita Sabonis was from Lithuania. Lithuania. Okay. And he was basically the the best player in the world, but he was oh, in wow. Lithuania, and they wouldn't let him out. And the Portland Trailblazers drafted him, and it took 10 years to get him to Portland. Oh, my God. Because they wouldn't let him out. And during that 10 years, he broke. Like, his oh. his knees got terrible. You know, everything broke. Yeah. And um, he still came to Portland, and he played with us for a few seasons. But by then, I mean, he was still amazing. Yeah. He was still just absolutely amazing. But he was 30, and, you know, yeah. he'd... It was, but he would have been like... Shaq would have been afraid yeah. of him and in his prime. Oh, you yeah. Know what I mean? he, yeah. Was, he was amazing. So, yeah. Portland has had a little bit of... I mean, but the thing about it is every fandom has those exactly. stories. Right. Exactly. Every fandom has the one that got away. Yeah. Well, similarly... But, well, in terms of like, uh, I tell myself 
Athletic, no, I, athletic, it's true. Yeah, athletic prowess in in in, uh, in decline. Like you had even late eighties, Ric Flair Woo! was still amazing, and like I said, put on some you know put on some of the greatest matches ever in like pro wrestling history. And this was but this was after he God he was he was in his, he was in like his, he had been he had been wrestling for like twenty years by that point. And I feel like when I first started wrestling, Jeremy, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but he looked kind of old even like when he was still the hot. You know, he was like the top dude, don't you think? Yeah, I think he had a, he, he, he had a, it's, um, I think tanning and bleaching the hair. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That will definitely Sun in will do amazing things. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, but it just reminds me of like, uh, like, even in decline, he could still do some amazing things, but it just wasn't, um, he just wasn't there during the, like, his peak was spent elsewhere. Right. Uh, before the before the very modern era, before the, well, not the, I guess the, the, the 80s modern era began. But you were talking about just sort of how um, the the leagues are structured, you right. know, with where you have the owners and the ownership, and then you have players. The NBA has a really uh, powerful uh, players association, right? Oh, good. And one of the really interesting things about it is um, it was started when when it first started. The person who started it was like you know the star of the league, and he was like, look, like there were no pensions. This was like back in the fifties or whatever. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There were no pensions. Um, oh, their wow. per diem was like three dollars a day, Whoa. and they oh had like God. nothing. Yeah. And so they started the players' union. Um, based because it was like the big star was like look we need to do this and he went to every single team and was like are you interested in doing this and they were like yes so they said we're going to form a players union and they went to the league and the league was like yeah sure whatever and like kind of like they had a union but the league didn't organize them or didn't recognize them um and the league was trying or the players union was trying to get recognition so they actually had talks with the like the AFL CIO or and to, like, oh, nice. to try to be like look we're going to we're yeah, going to we, be yeah. a union because this is not fair like we put our bodies on the line and you're yeah. not paying for our health care and our pension yeah um so they eventually got recognition but one of the things that's super interesting is one of the things that ended up the reason they finally got recognition and they finally got that pension which was the whole reason they started it was i Gosh, I can't remember what year it was. I want to say like 54, but it might have been 64. But um, it was the first time that the NBA All-Star Game was ever going to be televised. Oh, wow. And the players threatened to strike. And oh, they were like, we're not going to go great. on if you do not give us a pension. Oh, so yeah. smart. That's so they, smart. it was like the All-Star Game was going to be televised. And they all showed up at the hotel and they all had this meeting. And they were like, we're not going to play. So like both sides, east because the, the All-Star is like the East versus the West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they all went to the arena and they sat in their locker rooms and they refused to come out. And I guess all the owners were like outside, like pounding on the door going, you're never going to play for me. You're never going to play for oh, me. Oh, my God. But like five minutes before ABC was going to cancel the show and they're like we are not we're going to turn off the TV if you do not put the players out there in five minutes mm-hmm. and at that point the league conceded and said okay we'll give you a, yeah. a health plan so that's so interesting going back to socialism where like a lot of people now you know especially I imagine young kids who who are sports fans they don't realize that like okay you know this is a multi-billion dollar industry they don't realize that it had such humble origins you know yeah. what i mean yeah and that yeah nba players have a union part of the reason they make so much damn money is because they have a union you know the um and god uh, uh jane mcalevy will talk about this she just put out she put out a book i think it's sitting over there talking about organizing because her background is was through a lot of like you know collective action collective action through like organized labor like everything from like 
you know, uh, teacher teachers and nurses groups, for example. Mm-hmm. But she mentioned like one of the things that, that comes up are when the when they had yeah okay when when the NFL had the 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 referee the the referees were organized and what was it how many years ago was this they had the ref they had a referee strike and she mentioned and I listened to an interview with but she mentioned the at one point you had even um like you even had like Governor of Wisconsin Scott you know the asshole Scott Walker who oh god who yeah. destroyed you know did much to help destroy um you know worker safety and kind of like the ability to actually get decent benefits he's also state. gunning for public education yeah right oh now yeah. Well. yeah that's the thing is a piece of shit Definitely. but even was like would like post like because of the you know all this they brought in scabs to ref the games didn't they and like the the quality of the refereeing was so because it because it is a learned skill this again you know which in another venue we call skilled labor it was such that even he was calling us like, okay, this is, you know, this is bullshit, even, you know, because, you know, you have, because Green Bay is in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, even he was calling for like bringing the, you know, making a deal with the refs. Yeah. Like, how do we, that's a, such a good point. Like, how do you use sports? Because sports unites a lot of people of different, you know, how do you, can you use sports to, to, to push socialism, you know, so to that's speak? Really- or- Good question because I'm sorry. Oh, it's, oh it's, no! I, the only thing is, I'd say yes, but you probably can't call him that. Sorry for interrupting. Oh there, no, Natasha. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of about the uh, football clubs in Britain and Europe, especially that are they're basically used for that. Uh, as far as my understanding is How that they do have out. They do have um, other you know interests outside of just. Their political yeah. goals that they would like to reach. How? Yeah. Wow. And it's because a lot of it's because it's very local, right? Like it's a way for people to poli- like organize locally without maybe being overtly political. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, right, locally the the Timbers have their Timbers Army, and the One Hundred Sevenist is like their supporters group, and they do a ton of um, extra, you know, outside of soccer. Um, community work and um, political actions and like if you've been to have you ever been to like a timbers or a thorns game and they they raise the big banner at the beginning of yeah, the game I went to a timbers game once it's that, almost always something like having to do with like the social situation of what's going yeah, on right. like that's great you know, lgbt support and yeah um different things like that right awesome. yeah um well it's like nothing is apolitical Mm-hmm. But I think part of it is how we talk about these things is just um, just by changing the language, and it's this kind of thing where if you you can talk about the idea without dropping without drop dropping the hot topic name, and you'll get a lot more um, because of we because we have our associative brains. I think we we associate because we associate emotional meaning with just with words itself with terms and you uh, you know like thus you start getting you know they become loaded with meaning in oh, other yeah. words mm-hmm. try so saying you, socialist at your uh, thanksgiving dinner in the midwest <laughs> right that's the thing and it's kind of but it's but the thing about um the thing about you can the 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 use i guess the utility or usefulness of like using you know modern sports setups to talk about working conditions is that working in social conditions or that because sports are seen as non-political, even though uh, the fucking NFL got, was it, do it take like what, eight, like 18 million was it? It was like, it was some, it was some eight figure or above uh, amount of money from 
the Department of Defense to like, mm. you know, that's where you run have commercials. like commercials, not just run commercials, but also you have you have um, you have military have jet military celebrations. You have. Yeah. yeah you, oh, they become well, like yeah. weird. Like I said, it's kind recruitment, of recruitment. Right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> when, oh, yeah. And the planes fly. Yeah, over, when you, right? you have yeah. military, you have military air, you have tools of the state, you um, you have a, ex- you have military power, you have flybys over civilian inst- civilian installations where you have you always have like the hyper military hyper not i mean like for, for, way beyond patriotic to being like borderline nationalistic well yeah. it's basically um, like a like a light version of like kim jong-un riding around on mm. the uh on the nuclear weapon launch you know vehicle you know what i mean yeah like, it's it's a big it's the big show of support where you have like military people like on like on the field like folding you know they always have the, the big flag presentations and this really um like I said, this is like these are these are political actions. You got to think it's they're really smart of them to do it because they have a whole gigantic uh, arena full of people right. who are all feeling some kind of way about something already. Yeah, yeah. they're already already the, all feeling in the same yeah, direction. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, it's dynamic. You know, the the dander is up. People, mm-hmm. people, the energy level has increased. Well, it's so funny that that baseball is called the national sport, but it's obviously football. You know, when you when you when you think of it in those terms, you know yeah. what I mean. Well, I think. Uh, I think I think they just they just termed it that because uh, because football didn't get us really didn't ascend until like what like the seventies the sixties the seventies until like after like widespread color television wasn't it? Well, I mean, the, yeah, the first Super Bowl was in the fifties, you know, and it probably late sixties wasn't it? First yeah, they just had the fiftieth, so God, time oh, goes okay. by. Oh wow, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize it started so late. For some reason, I thought it was in the late fifties. Basketball was, was relatively Green Bay early, right? Versus uh, the Colts or something like that. Oh my gosh! So many things to say. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, feel free to jump. Yes. Like, if you notice, we kind of jump. We don't. We don't really pause much because uh, I get. I, so, yeah. Yeah. I get anxious that I'm going to forget something, and so I get there's there's the there's that anxious uh, compulsion to kind of like want to make. Oh, before you before you finish, let me let me pop this in because otherwise I'm you know I got a hell of a lot of ADD and I'm, I'm going to forget it. Yeah. It's called talking. We you could also call the show talking over each other as politely as possible. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so those, but feel free to, like I said, feel free to feel free to to inter, to feel free to jump in at any time. No, it's just there. There, um, I want to know your guys, y'all's thoughts on a, on a bunch of things. One of the things I want to know uh, how much you were tracking or um, uh, knew about what was going on with Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback for oh, yeah. um, uh, San San Francisco, taking a knee, and basically how that kind of spread through nationally to you know a lot of people were showing support, and I've heard he's been suffering a lot of really horrible he's basically getting dixie chicked oh my god yeah he can't i mean he's not getting signed anywhere yeah i mean there's the rumor now is that he's going to go to seattle but 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 um, my point of bringing him up is that it started a a really uncomfortable but important national conversation and it took a person with a high high uh, profile yep high status and then other people with similar high profiles reacting to it and the way the nba reacted to it was um, the, one of the things that I, I was at the time I was feeling like, wow, I'm like really proud that this is the league that I put my, um, you know, that I said I'm going to support because yeah. they're, you know, the highest leadership, like the biggest stars who are also the heads of the players union, you know, they all stood up and they said, we need to do something about this. Absolutely. And 
they said just talking about it and taking a knee or holding hands or joining arms isn't enough. Um, we want to actually do something. So I, I can't remember what it was. I, I I might look it up. But, you know, they had hundreds of hours of of sponsored community conversations. Oh, that's so like great. Like the NBA teams would sponsor, like, down in L.A. or whatever, you know, Atlanta or whatever. They would sponsor. When I heard, is it Damian Lillard, like got all the trailblazers to give them the money they made from the playoffs to the staff yes. of the Rose Garden, which for those who don't know, the Rose Garden is the name of the arena that the that the trailblazers play He had them give to the support staff for the team. So yeah. like all the trainers, all the people who support the players directly. Okay. And human, yeah. right. human infrastructure. Okay, cool. Yeah. So That's amazing. So yeah, so they, they try really hard and I think it just happens to be because uh, like, so LeBron James is like the vice president of the players union. Right. Uh, you know, he's the biggest star. Yeah. He's like, he's right now actually in the conversation. Like, it's always been Michael Jordan is the greatest ever. But like, yeah. people are like, I don't know. Um, because it was 1986. LeBron yeah. does yeah. this for another year or two. He like, even people who are like, never, I'm ever going to say anybody's, you know, people are like, mm, we might let LeBron in. But yeah. anyway, but he's been a very vocal and a huge community supporter. I mean, he's putting like hundreds of kids through college that's amazing like he's promised hundreds but anyway but but he and chris paul who's the the president of the union they were like you know we need to do more than just um either stand up or sit down during the national anthem and so they like i said they started these community conversations um so i i like how they're they're using the opportunity to um to open up these conversations and i think a lot of times they people think that they're doing it to get noticed and I genuinely, I honestly believe that they're not. I honestly bl- I believe that they're yeah. doing it because, you know, well, they mean it. I, I wonder to what degree the NBA has a, str- you know, they have, we know they have a players union. I, I wonder how much stronger it is than other sports. It sounds like it's probably a lot stronger. Yeah. And to what degree that having a strong players union affects the way that they do outreach to the community. You know what I mean? I, if I were... You know, studious enough. I, that'd be a, an, an analysis I'd love to, to, yeah. to tackle. Yeah. You know, so there was a really interesting period of time in the NBA around the mid two thousands, um, where uh, there was the the commissioner at the time was named David Stern. He, he oh, was yeah. there for yeah. a long time. Y'all, okay, a lot of you, most of you, heard of him. Um, in a, amount, the mid two thousands, um, hip hop culture had become super popular. It had become embraced yeah. by a lot of the players, and. Um, so, like, players who weren't playing in games who were sitting on the bench would be wearing, like, you know, uh, chains and do-rags mm-hmm. and, like, big baggy clothes and stuff. Um, and that made a lot of people uncomfortable. People weren't watching the NBA. And so what the league decided... Oh, yeah. yeah. The league yeah. decided they wanted to become more popular and that they were scaring off people, basically. Capital R, respectable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, respectability politics. What we want is lunch pail players. Who wants to guess what the NBA did in <laughs> reaction to this? Didn't they shove it? Hopefully, more white people. I don't know. <laughs> no, didn't they tell them? Didn't they like? Ba- didn't they like ba- ban baggy shorts? They instituted a dress code. Yes, they instituted oh. a dress code, and they said um, basically. I mean, it was like they were like, okay, so you have to wear business casual. So okay, you know, it's like you know, you go to work. It's not unreasonable to suspect that you know to expect that there might be a dress code. But what they did is they said it's going to be business casual, and you can't wear all these things. And they basically listed all the things that all of the players um, who were people of color wore. We, oh we do not no allow change, yeah. Yeah. no do rag like yeah. like specifically like yeah. not only do you have to like the sign outside of a bar in downtown, yeah, which like, is obviously racist. Yeah, the, the kind of the uh, culturally and racial coding in yeah. the partic- in the in the what? Huh? Funny how these particular 
particular these particular things got picked to be included uh, to, in, in this in this uh, in this clothing ban. Yeah, I mean it was, and I and I think a lot of the players were, you know, the players reacted to it for sure. They yeah. were like, you know, not appreciative of it. But one of the things that they said is like, it, it you know, it's not so much the. The ban itself, it's the fact that you chose all the things that we're already wearing. Yeah. It's targeted. It's dog whistling. Yeah. It's basically saying, you know, it's, yeah. All right. We, and on, on that note, let's take another quick break and okay. we'll be right back. And we're back. Hi, everybody. Once again, you are still somehow listening to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. I'm your host, Jeremy. Still here with my guests. Uh... Natasha, I'll let you drive from here if you would. Okay. Yeah. I we were just talking about this a little bit earlier with the mic off, and so we're gonna kinda continue the conversation. But I was just asking in regards to being a woman going into a traditionally male dominated fan space, uh, how have you experienced have you experienced any kind of growing pains around that and have you had any personal experiences that kind of taught you something from that? Yeah, sure. Um it's something I really enjoy talking about because I I really like um, one like I I think I said earlier that one of the things that I realized is that some of my f- my friends who were the biggest Trailblazer fans were women. Yeah, and um, per, you know it seems like it's always been such a male dominated um, fandom, mm-hmm. but I I don't think that's really true. No, when it's it, not. It's probably. just that men have always been either given the platform or taken the platform or created the flat platform yep. and women you know we're, we're, we were doing our own things and when I started doing the podcast on Blazers Edge. Uh, I was like, okay, so who who are the other you know women out there doing basketball podcasts? Yeah, and there was kind of like silence, crickets, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, and it turns out that there are women out there who are doing it, but I, it's taken me a full year and a half of like digging up trying to find women out there throughout the country who are doing podcasts about various different um basketball teams. But one of the things that um my podcast partner Joe and I um have talked about is we we you know we love talking about basketball and we have lots of opinions about it and it's really hard when you're in a group of mixed company for anyone to hear you like we have a hard time feeling like we're being heard yeah so like we'll be talking about um or asking questions about something that's going on on the court or whatever and um people just kind of laugh it off like we don't like what we're saying doesn't really account for anything like oh here's a great example I was watching the finals last year with my husband. Mm-hmm. We'd gone out to a bar to watch it. And, um, you know, obviously I'm really into basketball and I, I don't know everything, but I'm learning more and more all the time. And I happened to make a remark about the hairstyle of one of the guys on the court. Uh-huh. And this gentleman who had sat down and was sharing a booth space with us looks at me and says, oh, so I can see that you're a really serious fan. All because <laughs> I made <laughs> all because I made a comment about this, you know, this yeah. guy's hairstyle. And it's like, yeah. you know, one of the things that I that I try to tell people is there are as many ways to be a fan as there are exactly. fans themselves. Exactly. And if me being a fan, if I happen to be interested in hairstyles, who are you to judge me? Exactly. On yeah. that. You know, you maybe you want to find out other things that I might be interested in. But if you want to walk away with the impression that that's all I care about is what the player's hairstyle is, still, who are you to judge me for that? Exactly. Well, how yeah. how childish is that? By the way, that's the whole like 
no, I'm a big Rage Against the Machine fan. Yeah. You know, why don't you name, yeah. you know, four songs off their first record? Exactly. It's a little bit of that yeah. nagging thing that men do. Ugh. Like, yeah. oh, you know, oh, you're into that. I see. You know, you must not, you know, really be as invested as I am or know as much as I am, which there tends to be a kind of a, we call it gatekeeping um, within that range, especially when interests don't overlap, right? Um, have you had anything that people have approached you besides that that was kind of pushed out as being gendered in a way or let's see um i mostly what happens is i just get mansplained yeah first of all i, I always fail the quizzes um because i don't know if you like <laughs> I, I fail all the star wars quizzes too yeah i was gonna just ask you like you know do you get because i know that you're a big fan of star wars and you know typically in my in my mind i always thought of that as a lot of men in that space. it is yeah and and from a female perspective on fandom what we find is that men tend to gravitate towards curative fandom where it's all about canon and um, you know, what spaceship type is this? You know, what is there? A lot of the little details, mm -hmm. right? Like the the facts. So it's sort of like your data nerds mm -hmm. within the sports fandom. Um, and then you find women tend to be a little bit more on the interpersonal side of thing. They want to know more about the narrative. They want to more know about the social kind of aspects of it. So you, you'll find that that divide that's kind of a false dichotomy because there are women like myself that like curative fandom as well. Um, but what you'll find, tend to find is that men just immediately shove you out as mm -hmm. not having any of that knowledge. It's and almost like you're not allowed in that space exactly. unless, like we said, you can get through the quiz. Yeah, or you're, or you're purely presenting yourself as having that specific knowledge base. You yeah. answer these riddles three. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's a it's basically just a, again another way of gatekeeping um, to to be able to have this where you say that's a socially acceptable way to be a fan, and not only that, but these are the rules for you being part of this in group, and I'm sure that you've probably seen that with with you know if if you've had to deal with more i guess intense fandom right mm -hmm. like in terms of i don't know if you have or not but people that kind of have a very long history and cultured knowledge of this particular you know sport in this example mm -hmm. um i'm sure mansplaining comes out of that because they'll just assume that you don't know yeah and i i I feel like, like I've said before, like I'm really lucky because I've, I've come into a space where the guys who I, um, I, you know, associated with and associate with, they're kind of protective of me. Yeah. So A, I'm not sure I want to be protected, but B, I also super appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but for me, that, that also does lead to a lot of, um, where they're explaining things to me that they think that I don't know. And I actually have like a really specific definition of mansplaining, which isn't so much just, you know, explain to me what i don't understand yeah it's um, different it's it, yeah it's a you, it is a microaggression and we there's definitely a difference it's like it's like when you tell me something that i just said yes but suddenly everybody's listening to you because you said it exactly and like i it's so what, one example it happened to like a uh you know, it it happened to me like I was I went down to Las Vegas to go to summer league. The the Blazers play in the summer league. Um, it's like, you know, it's the rookies and the new guys mm -hmm. and the guys who are trying to make the team and all the teams are there and it's really fun. And so I cover it for Blazers Edge and I, um, uh, you know, just write I, I write funny, lighthearted articles, oh, which nice. is a whole nother thing because they're like, we need something fluffy. Will you do it? I'm like, okay. oh, <laughs> <laughs> like I know I established myself as that, but that's still super insulting. Yes. But anyway, um, but so I, uh, you know, there, there, there was this player from another team who uh, his team had just played and he sat with 
the Trailblazer players um, for like half of the game. And as a joke, and in my article, I said, oh, well, you know, start the Rudy Gay to Portland trail Portland rumors because he's now sitting on the bench with Portland. Ha ha uh-huh. ha. Like, I couldn't have made it more clear that it was a joke, that it was a joke. And then I, I posted it and immediately someone goes on and is like, he was probably there because he just played with his team and he's not really actually trying to come to play with Portland. And I'm oh, like, oh, my God, if you read the article, like, I don't know how you missed <laughs> I just saw some saw saw some opportunity to tell you how I feel. Yeah, exactly. And it's like I don't, they're not. I don't. They they aren't coming from a bad place. They're no. trying. They're trying to help. But it's sometimes you just wish they would ask first. Yeah. If 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 you want, or maybe help present or... it a little bit differently, right? Like not as an explanation or an, a talking over you, but maybe just as a conversation. Because sometimes yeah. that's how it comes across. Or even just tapping you, you know, like sending you an email and saying, "Hey." uh... This is the way I interpreted your article. Am I wrong? And then you go, exactly. yes, you are wrong for reasons X, Y, Z. <laughs> yeah. Give yeah. you an opportunity to respond, right? Right. Well, and there's a um, there's a there's a local reporter who covers the Blazers, and she's amazing. She's super awesome. Everybody loves her. And um, she recently uh, interviewed the general manager of the team. And uh, they transcribed the interview and put it in the Oregon or in the Oregon Live or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, uh, like, when they printed the article, they said, you know, that her questions had been edited for clarity. Yeah. And I like listened to the to the whole like actually went and I was like. That doesn't seem right, because when I heard that, she was perfectly clear to me. Exactly. <laughs> so I went back and listened to it, and I was just like, to the, you know, to the newspaper, like, why did you have to clarify what she asked? It was perfectly clear, and you didn't say anything about changing his answers for clarity, oh, and his wow. were, like, all kinds of murky. But that's because yeah. it's his job as the general manager, is yeah. to, like, keep us on our toes. But, like, like, why would you, you know, why would... I don't understand why anything that she said needed to be clarified. Yeah, that is a little bit weird, right? You kind of get unsettled. You're like, why did she need it to be that specifically? Well, yeah. and and then people are like, why do you even care? <laughs> and then you and then you go into a whole other spiral. I'm yeah. looking at the guys for this one, and then yeah. we go into a whole other spiral of why should we care? Yeah, and I think too, it's like hard. And I we we're talking about this off mic earlier, but a lot of the time you have an obligation to focus on the positive versus the negative. Otherwise you're seen as too, I don't know, screechy or something like that. Strident. Strident. Yeah. And it's shrill. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. You know, you'll get labeled really quickly, very, very quickly as opposed to, you know, um, men, sorry, Mm -hmm. but men typically are able to have really loud and don't be sorry. That's true. Loud and, (laughs) you know, bitter opinions about things, you know? (laughs) So, Yeah. Does it have you experienced things like that that um like where you've been sort of uh like where you've been mansplained or where someone has pointed out things like I just said that why are you Yeah, I think one of our, so for our for some context for my group of people that I hang out with in this first Star Wars fandom is that we had a lot of theories about this the future of the sequel trilogy that's currently ongoing and uh we had written a, a lot about it like January February of last year right after the movie came out. And a year later, finally, the male side of the fandom is coming into the knowledge of these theories because they're finally accepting some, you know, hard mm-hmm. truths. Mm-hmm. And uh, like like the fact that this is specifically marketed for and made for women. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not new because we the have next film or the the whole trilogy. The whole trilogy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, you have a female protagonist. It's written yeah, for women. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But it's really hard to kind of get that across to men who've never had that kind of story in there or been interested in that kind of story. 
So and are very, very upset that the it's being kind of taken away from them, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, now they're now they're coming out with like uh, acceptance of these theories. But they're all they're, what they do is they say that they're their own theories now. Right? Oh, yeah. So co-option is is basically the equivalent of what you're going through in terms of being mansplained. It's like. Did I did I not did I stutter? You know, like, did I not say that correctly? Yeah. yeah, and it's like you know, and and the thing is, is like you don't necessarily want to bring it up because yeah, you, like especially because sometimes it happens like in the flow of things, and like I work in IT too, so sometimes that happens to me in those situations. Oh yeah, and you don't want to like bring everything to a screaming halt and be like, no, you don't want to point it out. Wait, ever. I just said that, but now he said it, and you're all are on board. Um, yeah, because like you were saying, we tried to, you know, just smooth everything over. We just want everything to, to go nicely. And, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've, like I said, though, I, I've been really lucky and maybe it's because I'm older and, um, you know, I've, I've lived a life and I have grown kids and I've been married for a million years. Yeah. And so I don't get, um, I don't get hit on, <laughs> which is what happens to a lot of young women who are trying. I mean, there's, there's young women who are out there doing amazing work in sports and everybody's just looking at them like, Oh, so you want to marry an NBA player? Yeah. And it's like, pay attention to what they're doing. They're writing these great, interesting stories. And it's not yeah. just men who think that of them. It's other women, other women as well. Right. Yeah. And it's, that's very rough. You couldn't possibly enjoy sports. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's always you want to marry. So what I try to do, like, especially with my Twitter account and with, with the podcast, is I just try to elevate the voice of women. Yeah. And I just try to give them space. And actually, my podcast partner and I started a group called Women's Hops and Talks. Oh, nice. And we get together once a month and we watch basketball games together. Um, that's and, great. And talk about it. And we invite women, like... You know, you can be like a huge super fan of basketball, or you could be somebody who's never watched basketball before. You do this in a public place, mm -hmm. like a public yeah, bar we, yeah, yeah. We go to um, the McMinimans on Broadway and okay. we get oh, the back that's room. Wonderful. And it's fun because we had we actually had people come who were like, I've never watched a basketball game before, but I've been really interested, but I was afraid. Yeah. To Hell ask. yeah. Yeah. And then we have women who are just like super fans who've been to like, you know, have had scenes and tickets since like you know 1975, mm -hmm. <laughs> but who said. I never really understood what a pick and roll is, and I was afraid to ask. Yeah. And that's the thing that we hear all the time. The I never really understood this thing, and I was afraid to ask. Do you ever... Oh, yeah. You know, as a, I got started into playing tabletop RPGs as an adult, and that was one of those things where, as I was growing up, I really, really wanted to play, but I just was uh, so afraid to go in. Or it's like going into the comic book shop, and, you know, as in, like the 90s, mm -hmm. it was like... Oh dear, here if I ask for something, I'm gonna get made fun of or something like that. But you know that that fear is a lot of it's it's kind of self created in a lot of ways. But it also comes from just that there's a very huge lack of visibility in terms of that side of the fandom. I mean, we've been here for the whole we've been here always, right? Like the women that own season tickets since 1975, been there everywhere. It's just a matter that they had representation in terms of the larger fandom. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think you're doing great work there. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I grew up with my like my aunt Nikki. So uh, as I said earlier, I'm from El Paso, Texas, and we had a, a a basketball team at the college that was always like decent, if not sometimes real really mm -hmm. good. And so my my aunt Nikki always had season tickets. Is, it, and we always is that straight up University of Texas? UTEP is what it's called. Okay, yeah, that's at University El Paso, of Texas right. at El Paso. Yeah, they won the. They made a movie about them. Oh, nice! One of those Disney movies. Yeah. Where, you know, I feel good. They really paper over a lot of the... Yeah. Because they were the first all-black team, I think, oh, to win in okay. NCAA. Oh, really? Yeah, Don Haskins, the coach I was oh. talking about earlier, was was like one, like kind of a kind of a trailblazer, for lack of a better word, in that regard, that he was 
Anyway, I don't know why I brought that up, but I'm sorry. Your no, aunt, Nikki? Right. So so I grew up with women who love sports a lot. And so, but to hear y'all talk about, I don't know, that's just it really. <laughs> well, I, no, it, it, there are a ton of women who love sports, but we've for yeah. so long just been like the sidekick to the man who's yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Or there's an assumption you're doing it for male attention, which is. Again, it's a very big problem in any fandom. Yeah. Women face that every my, single time they come. My up. Aunt Nikki's a real strong personality, so I should I should throw that in there. Fake, yeah. F- yeah, the fake geek girl phenomenon, mm. or lack thereof, or at least the paranoid assumption of it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a really controversial Star Trek um, theory. Okay. Go for it. Question. Actually, it's in my head. It's total canon in my head, and I've not met a single person ever who thinks that has any uh, holds any water okay. at all. Yeah, I think Luke and Leia are actually Obi Wan Kenobi's kids. Oh, actually, that's a really legitimate theory really? online. So yeah. somebody, yeah. nobody that I know, everybody looks at me like I'm insane, and they just want to know yeah. like how did how could that possible? And I'm like, can't you it, just tell? They just are, and it's not it's not canon, unfortunately. There, it's it, it, but in terms of like. Uh, I'm I I have a lot of transformative fandom friends, which are it's all about. Yeah, I know. Yes. You, you, there's certain things that we wish were true, right? Like for for that, like that. A lot of people that love Obi Wan, like myself, I'm a big Obi Wan fan as well because I'm really excited. I want they're going to hopefully come out with a movie, and Ewan McGregor is going to be in it. And oh it's be my great, gosh! You know? Like yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, it's a it's a legitimate theory within the fandom. People scoff at it a little bit just because of the fact that you know it's all about the Skywalkers. You know, I, <laughs> I totally was shocked. Like I watched those those three prequels mm-hmm. completely expecting at the end of the third one, we were going to find that out. And, and I was like, what? This is, and this is a really good point, they right? They forgot. This is a, so if you think about them, how the movie, how the first movie is, right? The Phantom Menace was written, mm-hmm. right? Like Obi-Wan is the protagonist and he's the one going through the journey and learning. And, you know, and, and also if you think about it, when young teenage girls like myself went and saw the Phantom Menace in the theater, we're not looking at little baby Anakin and going, oh, yeah, he's going to grow into a hot dude. You're looking at <laughs> Obi-Wan and going, oh, my God. If I was a teenage Hello. Amidala, I would be, like, all over that, yeah, you yeah. know? So, anyway, long story short, that's where it stems from, and it's completely, completely no, good mind. I've been thinking this, like, from before those yeah. even came out. Good. I was just like, obviously, that's why he was living on Tatooine, like, right next to Luke, watching over him, because that's his son. Yeah. Right, it, it had... So obvious to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It had the it had it had emotional truth to it, if not yeah. um, actual truth. I guess I'm yeah. continuing to believe it anyway. Yeah, yeah no, I, I completely think that you should. Yeah. I was never invested enough. I like Star Wars, but I've never was invested enough to have like a theory about anything. I'm kind of jealous. Well, it's 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 a it's a difficult world to be in. <laughs> the um, the the oral knots, um, which I think I've mentioned on here before, but they did a version. They they're kind of. Um, Creative. What go. was that word you just said? Oronauts? All oral knots. A U R A L N A U T. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's they 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 do a, a series of um, kind of like creative re-editing and redubbing of like videos for each Star Wars film, and the ones where um, like the ones that they did for the 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 prequel the prequel trilogy that's kind of the, that's the whole joke especially in the and I can show you the fun little video um uh that they made in the about the second one or especially where it goes into where the whole point is like like Padme is like lusting over a- Obi-Wan and like and Anakin is in the friend zone he's like I yeah. hate being in the friend zone <laughs> friendliest friends that ever friended 
and they friended all the way to Friendsville in their friendmobile. Just friends forever. What do you mean? I don't understand. Did you talk to Obi? Give a shit about Obi. Obi's an asshole. Annie. This sucks. I hate the friend zone. And the whole point, and the whole point is like, yeah, he's uh, Obi Wan is actually the father of the. Um, is the father of uh, of of the kids. Yeah. You should have told me you liked her. Hoes come after bros. I would have totally been cool about it. I'm so excited. Those are my people. Wherever they are, they should come find me because mm-hmm. those are my people. Yeah, they're yeah, they're in my group. So yeah, I bet Natasha can introduce. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was just say yeah. It's um, but uh, just remind me one of the many things I, uh, that. So think of it. Whenever people come over to podcasts, it's always a thing of like, here, wait, before we do that, let me show you this cool shit on YouTube first. Every time. It's yeah. good. And we've seen some cool shit on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So let us transition to now uh, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast, such as the fact, well, the closest thing we ha- we have to a regular segment. We don't really have regular segments because... I'm not that organized. Sure, we have the first part of the show, and then we have the, the second middle part, part of the show, yeah. and then we have recommendations. And then there the you end. Go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With, 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 the, uh, with, with, with such regularity. It's a beginning and middle. That's exactly we also what Eric Dottle said where you go into Simpsons like. references yeah. every single time. Yeah. Well, and let's not forget, it always comes back to Star Wars, it seems. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm the worst. No, don't be sorry. It's fine. Yeah. yeah it's just it's, it's how we think and how we converse. It's, it's what we do instead of Christianity these days. It's the Star yeah. Wars segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, pretty much yes. So I guess this time, um, I get the the topic is is kind of uh, what ha, what have y- y'all been digging on that you want to endorse, recommend, uh, shout out, promote something. Uh, the, the, uh, it, in usually in the form of a lot of times this is the form of media, but we we go all over. Mm-hmm. I uh, recommended a brand of guitars last time, for example. Exactly. And then did you go buy one? Well, I owned one, and that's why I recommended it. Uh, um, so, yes. Why don't you start? <laughs> Anyone have anything chambered? Okay, then I'll go. I'm going to have weird recommendations, so this will give you an idea. Um, I never watched a lot of musicals uh, in my life, and my lady friend, Mackenzie Thompson, friend of the show, uh, loves them, and she knows a lot about them, so she's been turning me on to them. So I got to turn her on to horror films. And she's showing me musicals. I watched. Uh, I've watched several recently that I really like, but the standout for me is one called "An American in Paris." Oh yeah, it's Gene Kelly and uh, Sharon. What's her last name? She's a French woman. She's a ballerina. She's she's uh, an incredible dancer. Uh, anyway, it's very very good. Uh, if you don't know musicals and you're one of those people like I used to be, where I thought that old films were kind of cheesy and I did, and especially musicals, and I was so wrong. And I want to say that on on tape. That, you know, for for future generations, that 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 was stupid. Um, another thing I, that happened to me recently that was really really important to me was I uh, went and saw Casablanca for the oh, for the yes. whole with an audience the whole way through at the Hollywood Theater here in Portland, mm-hmm. and I had never seen the whole movie. And that movie's seventy five years old. It is still works flawlessly. All the laughs land in that movie because it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. You it's know, perfect. Because we talk about it with a lot of reverence, but we forget that there's a lot of good humor in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it you know, it, it lives up to the hype completely. So if you if you have never seen Casablanca, 
like I highly recommend it. Um, if you can see it with an audience, please do that. And um, I'm not sure that I have anything else. Uh, started reading a book called The Darker Nations. It's a people's history of the third world. Uh, the author's name is VJ. I can't remember his last name. It starts with a P, but it's it's quite good. Uh, I think that's all I can recommend for the time. Aside from this podcast, of course, do you have other favorite podcasts? Yes. Uh, right now I'm listening to a lot of political podcasts. Uh, two that's my, my favorite one is, or no, I don't know if it's my favorite, but one of my favorites is one called the DC, uh, uh, the Sentinel cast. Oh no. D District Sentinel cast. Is yeah. It? The, oh, yeah. Okay. Or District Sentinel. So, let me, let me double check. So they have a daily show that kind of updates you on political news. It's called, uh, District Sentinel radio. And then they have a separate cast for their Patreon subscribers called the Sentinel cast. That's a more, they have an interview and they go more in depth and the guys are funny, but they really care about, uh, the, uh, like getting interesting and, and insightful sort of analysis of the events in Washington, DC. And, uh, I really enjoy it, but I have, I mean, I have a whole stack of podcasts that I love, but that's one I really like a lot. And of course, street fight radio. If yeah. Anyone, represent. Yeah. Just like a left, left wing podcast, but by a guy, a group, a pair of guys that are really funny and like super, like the most normal blue collar guys. I really love that one. Out of Columbus. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I love podcasts. Yeah, me Good. too. Who's next? Who's next? Should I go next since we're going around the table? Sure. If you'd like. Let's see. So I am forcing myself to read more books because I usually read articles and stuff. And I haven't, I used to love reading books and I haven't done that in so long because mm -hmm. of the internet. Thanks a lot, internet. Um, but I just finished reading a book called Unguarded and it's my four, it's called Unguarded, My 40 Years Surviving in the NBA. And it was uh, autobiography by Lenny Wilkins, who is a um, really interesting guy. He never did not grow up thinking he was going to have an NBA career. He just kind of happened into it. He was at Providence oh, wow. College getting ready to start um, graduate school as an economics major when he found out he'd been drafted. So he was like, OK. Holy and then he ended up having a 40 year, 40 plus year career, including a brief stop in Portland, in Seattle, but anyway, it was, it was really super easy to read, fascinating kind of um, picture of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. So I read that, and I'm getting, I'm getting ready to read a book um, called Loose Balls. <laughs> and it's about <laughs> it's about the ABA, the American Basketball Association, which was a very short lived, like kind of rock and roll basketball league that was started in the 70s oh, and neat. gave the NBA a run for their money. And eventually some of the teams from the ABA got um, rolled into the yeah, NBA. Who were some of the star players from the ABA? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I haven't like, read the book yet. But <laughs> wasn't like uh, one of the... Yeah, real... like Moses Malone started yeah. in the ABA. There's a whole bunch of guys who started in the ABA and then ended up become, coming over to the NBA because the ABA didn't have the same recruiting rules and the same drafting rules. They could just go grab people. Nice. They could order, yeah, you know, give Pete them more money. Maravich play in an Pete, ABA team yeah, he for was, a while? Yeah. Yeah, he was super uh, instrumental. Um, he actually, I think, might have been the, the commissioner for the league for Is that right? a, a okay, while or yeah. something. Anyway, I'm going to... I'm about ready to read the book and find out. All right, come back. So I'm actually for the off season. I'm having a, an NBA book club, so that's going to be the book for the NBA really book neat. club. Nice, um, awesome. And then um, I listen to a ton of podcasts, and this is going. Now you're going to really find out like how shallow I really am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
My one of my favorites is the Gilmore Guys. Oh, I've heard. Have you read about that? So they do Gilmore Girls, um, and it's these two guys, and they're just they were another like my kids moved out, and I like found the Blazers, and I found podcasts, and the Gilmore Guys just kind of became like my surrogate kids Mm -hmm. because they're around the same age. They. They did it. They made an episode for every single episode of the Gilmore Girls. Yeah, so I'm watching the Gilmore Girls. Oh, you gotta go. You gotta. Yeah, I need to listen to that show. You absolutely need to listen to it. It's fantastic. I'm in season four, and boy, has it really hit its stride in season four. Yeah, it's they. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm just gonna stop right there. (laughs) Another one that um, I love and I recommend to anybody, even randomly on the street who's walking down the street, is called (laughs) "You Must Remember This." Oh, I love that so much, Karina Longworth. Have you guys already talked about that on here? She's dating Ryan Johnson, too. I didn't realize that. I'm like, well, he's like my favorite filmmaker right now. He's a good filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's so, so, so good. She hasn't really talked much about musicals except for A Star is Born. Those were like my favorite episodes about The Star Star is Born. Those were amazing. I, um, yeah, that's the one that's about old Hollywood. Yeah. And she does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she does very good episodic ones. Her last thing was about um, it was called Dead Blondes, which is about a bunch of the um, women that were, you know, Blonde, but like you know, we give Marilyn Monroe, or mm-hmm. um, yeah, she just does a really in-depth way, and she you know connects it not only to the film industry itself, but to kind of the zeitgeist of Hollywood at that era, and and also kind of the way that people were portrayed, and how you know they were psychologically and their relationships and that kind of thing. So she just breaks it really deep down. She's an amazing storyteller. Yeah. And she'll find like this thread and she'll follow it through and you'll find out that people in Hollywood were connected in ways that you never knew about. Exactly. And if if I like, if I could do my dream thing is I would do that about the NBA. Yeah. Because there's, there's similar storylines that connect guys to each other through other players and other coaches and cities. And there's just a million, it's like a spider web of, intrigue yeah and stories so i i love that and then um on tv i am currently watching teen wolf which oh, i've heard good things about it. i had no idea it was gonna be so good i am yeah. like a sucker for, i love like teen uh, vampire shows yeah and i like actually had a thing about like I, you know, every time a uh, werewolf comes onto a vampire show, they ruin it. <laughs> yes, this is actually kind of true. It is. It's I like mean, the Buffy, vampires, man. Yeah, yeah, the vampires come and you're just like, oh. Yeah. Um, but I started Team Wolf and it's super fun. It's like an MTV show. I didn't even yeah. know they made shows. Yeah. But um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's been. It's got a huge following. It's, and it's been supposed super to be really fun. good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it checks off. All, I have like really specific list of things that I expect out of 18, um, a teen drama. Mm hmm. It needs to, they have to say, I promise yep. all the time. <laughs> Beautiful people. There has to be like either like a Founders Day celebration right away oh, yeah. or some sort of a <laughs> yeah. regular um, uh, small town civic event. Yep. Of right. to, to, but it has uh, historical significance for that small town. It, usually right. there's a curse or some kind of history involved there. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And they're, they're usually like teenagers mysteriously disappeared at yep. one point. But, but the big thing, and it took like a season and a half, but it definitely happened. The big thing is at some point somebody has to say truth is <laughs> and every single one of these shows it eventually happens and oh, i was so excited when it finally happened is. on, on teen wolf That's like awesome. i'm like i could totally write these things because all yeah. you gotta do is promise everything yep. and say truth is and boom you yeah. got it but i love teen dramas i'm like totally done with adult dramas I'm no they're done. fun they're just like it's like popcorn it's so delicious the- it's like great does the truth is bit like function as a way to be like, okay, we've just given you a bunch of like sort of teenage melodrama with little pepperings of supernatural stuff and then now we'll we'll start 
getting serious about the supernatural a minute. I don't know. It's just a line that always eventually works its way in there. <laughs> they always say, like, really seriously, truth is, like, in, you know. <laughs> I, think, I just it's, think it's such an interesting criteria that yeah, I want to understand. It's it. good. Is, like it, it. is it similar to how, like, in all cop dramas, the point where I think even Hot Fuzz was, like, uh, making fun of us, is like, they always have someone say, we're going to blow this thing wide open. Yeah. Yep. You're too yep. close to yeah, this Yeah, probably like yeah. that. And for some reason, true, truth is 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 the one for uh, teen dramas. Yeah, I'm done with adult dramas. Adult, adults are assholes, and I'm yeah. sick of their drama. They're yeah. just so dreary. They're just boring and just jerks, and they never learn anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, on teen dramas, at least they learn stuff sometimes, yeah. even if it's, like, you know, really obvious. You know, that's a great point. That's why I, I actually read a lot of young adult fiction still, just because I like the idea that you have this fundamental story about discovering yourself and also discovering how to be an adult, because I feel like most adult fiction is all about how adults are fucking up their lives. Yeah, like how everything's shit yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. they're never going to change. Exactly. And you, you'll never win, you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'll stop there. No, no, I think that's a perfect segue. <laughs> it's great. Um, I, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I read a lot of young adult fiction, but I won't, I won't talk about it on here because I don't think our audience is very into it. Um, but you if, never, if you want, you never, the Teen you, Wolf. Yeah, you never know. The, I have no idea who our audience is. <laughs> yeah. our, our audience tends to be people who know us in some fashion, who we browbeat into uh, <laughs> into listening. Yeah, into listening. Yes. I always say hi, mom, at this point, although she actually doesn't listen. But <laughs> it's good. Um, so I'm going to wreck music this time again. Um, I just started listening to the Wild Reads new album. Have you ever had a love that's bigger than you? Oh, how you the world we built um, because it, they played a single of theirs, "Fall to Sleep" on KXP, and I just really it really resonated with me. Um, they're a three-part harmony alt country indie band out of LA, and they have a very kind of upbeat but like very well orchestrated sound, and I really really like them. Kind of remind me a little bit like if you had like it's sort of like for me it's like Nico Case or like um, um, first aid kit kind of you know how those female kind of harmonizing bands are like so yeah anyway on to the next one um, I just last night we purchased Logan because we own every single mm -hmm. comic book movie every time it comes out we have to buy them on digital because that's just how our household is we have every single comic book movie on even the worst ones so uh, you, you poor thing yeah, yeah i know we even have like x-men age of apocalypse we won't talk <laughs> about that i have ptsd from that experience um anyway logan i kind of didn't have any expectations i wanted to go see it in the theater but i missed it um but watching it last night i was just complete it's it's emotionally devastating and it feels like a like a small indie movie but with superpowers and um it has a very uh, dystopic kind of futuristic set. It's set in the future by 25 years, but it's close. So it's very, very close to what we have. And there's only very slight nods to the future as it will become. But the ones that they had were very, um, I think it was almost, I, I would have to say there's almost kind of a secret criticism of capitalism within that narrative Hooray. And, yeah. and also war and fighting and, and, you know, kind of how it, it kind of turns the idea that, these superheroes that are like so badass, like Wolverine, right? Because you know, there's this whole like grim, dark, edgelord aspect to him where he's been suffering for you know hundreds of years. But in this movie, he is a very painful character, and 
um, I was very appreciative to see them kind of deal with that in a very realistic and human way. And I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So awesome! I I, I have yet I have yet to, uh, yet to actually see, see Logan. I haven't either. But um, if you even if you're not a fan of comic book movies or superheroes, it is something worth seeing. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be, yeah it's supposed to be more of a western than yeah. uh, than than your than a trad like. Um, non Marvel Cinematic Universe. I did see Kong Skull Island, by the way, oh, and yeah? that movie kicked major ass. So I, go see that. I'm so glad. Yeah, it was great. If you hated the Godzilla that came out three years ago, <laughs> Kong Skull Island is the uh, that will give you what you want. It's the that, eye bleach that, for that. that. I hated the one that had um, what's his name in it. Uh, Matthew Broderick. No, oh. the the King Kong one that had uh, Jeff Bridges. Oh, you know the newest one with the Peter Jackson, like oh, the Jack Adrian Black? Brody. No, and... I think it was older than that. Oh, uh, Jack Black. Jack. Yeah, that's yeah, the, the, that's the, the that is that. Four or five. Peter Jackson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not like that. I haven't seen that. That was like three hours long. Yeah, I it was it. a little bit. I mean, Peter Jackson's like one of those people that needs an editor. I think we talked about yes. it. Yes. <gasps> Actually, I so wish well, I was here for that conversation because yes. I a hundred percent am with you on that. And Tom Clancy and George R. R. Martin yeah. Yeah. are the guys that I have my target on. Yeah. Somebody please edit those guys yeah, yeah. unfortunately and, one of them's one of them can't be edited anymore because he's rotting in the ground but and, yeah and with the um i'm sorry who's the king kong guy again the new zealander peter jackson peter jackson that guy makes movies for things that he's so reverent of yeah that they have this like these are you can't well i mean i should take that back because he did have fun he played he had fun with lord of the rings but i feel like from what i've heard about that king kong movie is the first hour and some change is like him just being like, ah, I love yes. the original so much, and yes. I want to show you how it's a love affair know. with old Hollywood in a way too. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I don't hate it. I just because I really really like Adrian Brody, so I will, will watch him over and over in anything he's in. But um, that's a different. <laughs> and it was three hours long. So. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I hijacked the recommendation section. By the I way, I did too. too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, I guess it's my turn. Um, I will recommend a band, a uh, band out of England called Muncie Girls. They put out an album called From Kaplan to Bell Size last year that is just a lot of fun, really well written, call it um, like indie noise pop. Of um, similar to similar to like shit present, which is a band that I've refer- I recommended on here before, but just really really nice tunes. Um, it's only a three piece. The front woman at most of the times she will double her she will double her vocals. That that adds a great uh, it's a great um, great production tip to it. I like how the the record is produced and how the the band sounds together. Mm-hmm. To the point where it's got to it's it's got to be awkward to hear them live, where they can't she can't have like the mul- the multi uh, multi vocal tracks going at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, podcast wise, oh dear, how do I narrow this down? Um, several different shows. There is a newer show called the Age of Napoleon podcast by um, guy who goes by Trillburn. Uh, on the on the internet and it's each little episode it's kind of like these short little bits well relatively short you know 20 30 minutes where he'll take an aspect of building up into the 
like you know laying the pieces say that led to the french revolution and then how napoleon himself would show up and kind of you know the story would go from there it's still very very early on there's only about a few episodes in there but it's a nice little um it's a nice view nice little like bits of history and um kind of both to see how you know the, the um, modern europe was created and how like um a uh, how a political revolution that actually that actually i think had more even more import than our than the american one happened uh, other couple of other couple of shows there's one called homo vulgaris which is a nice uh, a nice good uh dirtbag leftist show oh nice as they describe themselves as cyberpunk stoner paranoia and misguided attempts at social commentary. Excellent. The Sounds like my life. <laughs> the future is now and it sucks. <laughs> and they have a Patreon. So yeah, that's Homo Vulgaris. Oh, can I throw one more podcast out? Sure. Sure. Humorless Queers. Have any of you guys listened to Humorless no, Queers? Uh-uh. Only a couple. So a couple of I think I like one episode. I find it a very good show. It's also political sort of talk, but it's you know two queer people that I think live in Boston and... Uh, they're really smart about legal issues and economics, and so they do it in a fun way. They call it humorless queers, but they're they're actually they actually quite, hum- quite funny. Yeah. Uh, so uh, check it out. I'm really enjoying awesome. it. Yeah. There is a um, <laughs> it's like mixing together uh, basketball and politics. Uh, Jacobin, uh, Jacobin Magazine has been putting out several pot, like kind of like lefty political podcasts. One of them is co- one of them is just called Stockton to Malone. Which Ooh. is uh, coasted by a couple uh, a couple uh, writers, and again, it's these are very these are all kind of like newer shows, so they're only a few episodes in. But they'll take they'll go into a lot, like they'll interview like a lot of people and talk about stuff that you don't normally hear. And let's see, do I have anything else? I think that is that's yeah. We'll call it that. There's probably a thousand more things I could recommend, but we've uh, we've we've had a, a pretty long runtime as it is. All right. Uh, now, it's, okay, folks. How uh, should you deign them to like? How can folks find you on the internet or where all your I guess links or contacts or yeah. Um, you can, as always, find me uh, at my one of. I'm, I'm in two bands. One's called Honky Tonk Union. www.honkytonkunion.com. Uh, you can hear some sounds. You can see when we're playing. Uh, I'm in another band called the Davenport Brothers. Uh, I think it's reverbnation.com slash davbros or the davbros. Uh, I do this every time and I never check what the actual Earl is. You have to keep going with that. Uh, yeah, why not? Who cares? And then uh, you can you can look at what I'm doing on Twitter, which is not much, uh, <laughs> at Comrade Garrett. Um, I think that's it. That's about it. You're not on Twitter that much? I, I mean, I'm on it a lot. Yeah. I don't necessarily post a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm kind of, I, I have like 200 some odd tweets, so not very I'm like much. addicted to Twitter. It's I love so Twitter. fun. I'm getting into it. It's difficult for me. You know. I posted my first thread the other day. Oh, oh. nice. Yeah. I've done that before, and I think I do it wrong, but no one has ever told me and yeah, pointed it out. Yeah, no one's looking out. at mine, so That's it doesn't good. matter. Yeah. I could just put fart one of 25 <laughs> and then post fart every time and it, no one would notice. It might actually get like viral though. And yeah. I know that's the thing is like you could do something like that and it could just go catch on. Yeah. yeah. Like, I actually have an well, idea for that. It's not going to catch on, but I'm going to try it. So uh, look, it look out for my, I'm not, I can't tell you what you it can't is. Tell it. It'll, it'll fuck things Cause up. Because we might steal it yeah. and do it on our own. You shouldn't. It's a stupid idea. <laughs> I, don't, I can't tell what people are going to like and respond to. I'm at TCB Biggs on Twitter or team mom. Um, and I tweet a lot about the blazers and occasionally every, I tweet about work things like, like accessibility. And so every time I get like, I go to a conference and I'll like t- tweet about accessibility, I'll pick up a whole bunch of news followers. And I'm like, boy, I hope they like the blazers. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> if they don't know, they will soon, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what's your show called again? Um, it's on the it's the Blazers Edge podcast, and Blazers Edge is blazersedge.com. It's a, a Trailblazer-focused fan site, and the you can subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher or iTunes or whatever, or check out the um, website, too. Nice. Glad you got to listen. Um, I'm on, on Twitter at AshesForFoxes, and that has my links to my tumblers i have multiple ones um you can find me there and if i don't respond to you on twitter it's because i've taken a break from the internet because it is a horrible place Mm -hmm. cesspool yeah and as always you can reach us at the web the uh email comments or giving the mic at gmail.com you can find us through facebook at facebook.com slash giving the mic uh we are now we now have a youtube channel which is early in the going which is just like some of our episodes pasted on there and maybe even a few uh, announcement vids i am working on fi- um filming more but putting out a little more little film snippets involving cats and putting our uh podcast over top of the video just to get clicks excellent and that Perfect. is yeah. indeed and i think well for, uh and other than that uh, once again i would like to thank um, I'd like to thank Michael Pomeroles for cutting this thing together. I'd like to thank our theme tune is by the Mysterious Breakfast Serialer. And other than that, um, again, as always, uh, subscribe to the show. It's that is how <laughs> subscribing is actually how more people find out about us. Thanks to the weird uh, the weird charts that get into this. So it's like, yeah, look if you can uh, if you're listening to this through your, through your podcast app, just say you know, click on the uh, subscribe. Sure. And so forth and so forth. Now, what's your problem? Just subscribe, why don't you? Or just at least give a review. That's great. Right. Just some stars, you know. Click on it. All right. And um, without anything else, um, anybody have anybody have any uh, parting thoughts or last words? Go Blazers, Rip City. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> I like yours the best. All right. Good night. <laughs>
the short answer is I don't know. Uh, the 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 longer answer is seven or eight. It's some. It's one of those two, but I can never remember which. And you don't want to hear me going. Oh, this, this. Do they have names? No. <laughs> but they no. each have a personality, right? Yes, I can tell you intimate <laughs> mm-hmm. things about all of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. remind me before the day is out. I need to show you the video of the video that Cherry Glazer put out for. I think it's called Zombie Bomb. Oh, that's that or Nuclear Bomb, mm-hmm. um, which is. You know the, the the traditional story of a girl and a guitar going out on a date and her love for her guitar, rendered <laughs> up, uh, where they do PDAs a bit more graphically rendered than most. Where at one point she is uh, she well, I I would say it's not hyperbolic to say that she uh, she jacks off the whammy bar. Nice. Um, nice. It's pretty. It's it's a pretty. Uh, it's and it's a pretty. That, yeah. It's a pretty good video. I don't um, think I can watch that with other people around. <laughs> Too, it's too close to too home. erotic. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, schedule for the episode that I was what I was planning is I think the the topic that I thought about, like, especially with bringing you in, uh, is the the shared idiocy. At some point, it's just the shared idiocies of online fandom. It doesn't it doesn't matter. At some point, it doesn't really um, it doesn't really matter what people are uh, effectively fans of. At some point, it becomes it's like the same. It's like fundamentalism. Um, fundamentalists are fundamentalists, and you know, ze- um, which is why you know, uh, like a lot of like right wing evangelical types can you can copy and paste ninety percent of their stuff into say like you know like uh, ISIS or Taliban videos, and it <laughs> sounds exactly the same. Uh, and so I think that was just the one that the one, um, the one I guess overlapping point. The common area discussion, yeah. Yeah, the common, mm-hmm. and then it's that that'll be our starting point, and then um, our the the structural forces of me not really knowing where the conversation is going and just kind of like being widely discursive. It's why we went for at one point we we were talking about we went from like uh, talking about Rogue One to fandom merchandising to at one point we came back from a break and we're talking about prog bands yeah so yeah that's i can't keep up with any of that but i'll do my best it's a journey it's yeah a journey. <laughs> well yeah at some point it's just kind of um as long as um feel uh feel for, uh we we enjoy deep deep uh deep deep references so if you ever um your references will be different from ours mm-hmm. feel free to keep to uh to keep throwing them out there and uh we we don't we do not just allow swearing we require it okay yes so. <laughs> and uh, i'm gonna ask you about your references because i have a lot of questions and that's fine i'm uh, usually the one who asks yeah uh, questions about things so okay. if you want to like like tag team on that that's fine Yeah, and i'll be asking you about I'm super good at uh, derailing things and good. getting off you course. Right well, yeah, I was yeah. say welcome, to, welcome to the party. Then, <laughs> yeah, that could be this, this, the subtitle of this show: derailing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the I mean, great derailing yeah. down the rabbit hole. Again. There's, yeah, there's a reason why the show is called. Uh,